couple things to update you with. <clears throat> uh, there will be a memorial service for Lauren Reinhard. Reinhard. It'll be September 6th at 2 o'clock. I think the bulletin said October 6th. Um, you can come October 6th. You'll, just, you'll be a little late. Uh, November, sorry. <laughs> September 6th. Wow. September 6th is a memorial service uh, for Lauren as well. One other thing I wanted to invite you to is September 15th. Uh, September 15th, we're calling this Homecoming Sunday, so we'll be out under the oak tree, worshiping outside. Uh, it's, hey, come on home. Come back to PPC. So uh, spread the word. We'd love to have a great turnout under the oak tree. And what's going to make it even more special is his house is putting on a thank you luncheon for PPC. So gather friends and family from history past, bring them back, it's homecoming, and then we'll be eating together uh, thanks to his house uh, immediately after the worship service in Key Center. So plan on joining us for those events. Well, dare to wonder, today I'd like to talk about best spiritual practices, but in a different context, not the big known ones, not the biggies like prayer and scripture, right? And Sabbath. I'd like to talk about how to prepare ourselves to enter into those bigger known disciplines. Does that make sense? Last week, Ron did a great job of challenging us to stay focused in the midst of all the noise. How to keep our eyes on the treasure in the midst of all the noise. And I'd like today to talk about how we actually do that. Stay focused on Christ when there's an awful lot of noise going on around us. About a month ago, I had a chance to uh, go back to the Pacific Northwest with 24 other guys. We've been doing this. It's a golf trip, kind of a golf weekend. We've been doing this thing for 20 years. It was the 20-year anniversary when a whole group of guys started to get together 20 years ago. We've been doing it every year since. And my role is to play golf. Actually, I Kind of played the worst golf I've played all year, but that's another story. Uh, anyway, I go connect with these guys, we play golf, and I deliver devotional uh, each day at some point throughout. And it was the last day, we were all done with the tournament. I led into a challenge with the folks that were there, and they come from a wide range of belief systems from uh, conservative Christianity, progressive Christianity, atheists, agnostics. So I've got, a, I've got my work cut out for me through the course of those four days, sharing something that's meaningful and relevant for all of them. And I can remember uh, very, very powerfully at the end of that final devotional, I was talking about uh, making room for all people in some of the more hot topic ways this, that our culture is engaging in. And one guy who I love to death, love, 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 love to death, he's a, he's a presence, he's got a voice where, he's the kind of guy when you, laugh, when you laugh, you hear him above everybody else laughing. You see what I'm saying? And uh, my friend uh, Bill, that's not his name, Bill has a personality larger than life, he's, op he's very winsome and can get gregarious, he's always loud. And he kind of took me on in the midst of this group, and I was a little startled, and he, he had his opinions, and, and I finally asked him, I said, are you, are you sure about this, Bill? He said, not only am I sure about it, I'm certain. That word certain 
Now, I don't know what you do when you encounter things like that. It was kind of a weird, awkward moment because everybody looked at me like, what are you going to say? <laughs> Which I was thinking the same thing myself. Right? I'm just here to play golf. Come on. And not very well at that. And you know what I decided to do just in the infinite wisdom, plus I was a little irritated I hadn't played very good golf. I didn't want to get into a thing. Because it's hard to talk to someone that's certain. You just can't argue someone that's with someone that's certain. That's just sure about everything. So I didn't say anything. I said, let's pray. I've been bewildered and perplexed since then about that word, certain. Annie Lamont in her new book said this, the opposite of faith is not doubt. Check this out, it's profound. The opposite of faith is certainty. Because when you doubt, there's still room to question. There's still room to engage. There's still room to, in fact, refocus. To consider another perspective. To think about it from a different place. I think one of the things wrong with our spiritual best practices is that oftentimes we never get out of the gate because we're frustrated and we're exhausted. And we're certain about a lot of different things. I mean, just think about your own mind as you process your life as a disciple in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think that's any real fault of our own. I think we're kind of trained this way, right? I mean, I spent a lot of money over the years learning in order to be somewhat assured I hesitate to use the word certain. So I want to challenge that word certain. I don't know that it creates space for us to engage with the cosmic Christ in a way that's truly transformational. I mean, if you really think about it, we're, we're a people of word and sacrament and confession, right? We use the confessions of the faith. The Apostles' Creed is a statement of belief. Now check this out, I, I am blown away by this, I hope you get as really curious about this and almost inspired as I am. The Apostles' Creed starts out with, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and his only Son, our Lord, born of the Virgin Mary. Now I printed it in your worship folder. Now, born of the Virgin Mary, and then he suffers under Pontius Pilate. Crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, ascended, essentially to return. That's our certainty. That's our dogma. That's our assurance. But here's the crazy part. There's a great comma, Richard Rohr calls it. A great comma after born of the Virgin Mary. Comma. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Go into your worship notes, find that comma, and circle it if you've got a pen with you. Because I want to point something out. That comma represents the totality of the life of Jesus Christ. 
teachings, miracles, life. And we give it a comma? We gave it a comma. Because we want to be so certain we give it a comma. What? Does this blow you away? Are you curious? Thank you for the three of you that responded. I am just pumped to keep going. You see, that great comma is the place that creates space for us to become detectives of divinity, sluice and slant, to wonder, to gaze upon congruence, to live a discipled and disciplined life where questions and mystery open us to new expressions of faith and obedience that are fixed on Jesus the Christ so that we can be open to the rest. And all we do is give it a little comma? So I don't blame us that we're kind of haunted by this word certainty. We're kind, of, we're kind of bred into it. And yet, much of a discipled life is about exploring the comma. Pretty crazy, isn't it? So today I want to talk about what best spiritual practices are in the life of Christ. And I want to, I want to push back against anyone's certainty about anything because there's a lot going on in that comma. Because that comma opens us up to consider, and I'm just going to give us three spiritual, big picture, best practices that make us ready for the big known disciplines. In other words, this is a, this is a precursor to the big known spiritual disciplines. If we don't get these three right, we're not going to be in a posture or in a place to engage in the other more famous ones like prayer and scripture reading and Sabbath. In other words, our certainty gets in the way. There's a lot more going on in the comma, and we have to create some space so that the comma can be exposed. Tracking? Okay, I've got three. First, spiritual best practice. Now, some of these three, one may surprise you, the other two may not. The first one is kindness. Kindness. Just kindness. Kindness is a gateway to God. When I was doing research on my book, Arete Again, I was fascinated to discover that uh, Socrates and some of the early ancient philosophers believed that in order for anyone to engage in any kind of virtue, there was a gateway virtue to all the other virtues. And you know what that virtue was? It was kindness. Kindness. Kindness was that gateway virtue that opened us up so that we could receive other great virtues. And perhaps... Paul and Jesus knew the same thing. There's a wonderful, wonderful text in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, and it's one of the scriptures I'm, I want to read to you, at least a portion of it. Paul says this about the Creator. It is God's kindness that leads people to repentance. 
It is the kindness of God that leads folks to repentance. It is the tender mercies of God that lead people to be open to receive repentance. It's a gateway virtue, a virtue for all the other virtues. So when we talk about Christian spiritual disciplines, kindness is a gateway discipline that opens us up to the other larger, more known, and I think I misspelled it in your worship folder. Sorry about that. It should be known, not know. Virtues and spiritual practices. Kindness. See, in order to understand the comma, (laughs) and not to be misled by our assurance and certainties, it begins with kindness. Kindness is something I find myself doing more and more. I remember doing it as a father when my kids were young. Then kindness kind of changes to hey, I'm in charge, do as I say. (laughs) It's a funny dynamic. Then they grow up and have their own kids, and then I'm back to kindness again with my grandchild and my own kids because they finally see that it's really not a piece of cake to be a parent. (laughs) Right? So life kind of has this way of going full circle. But I'm fascinated by kindness. It's God's kindness that leads to repentance. The kindness of God. Salvation is having the mind of Christ in all things. It's not a one-time transaction. It's a lifelong transformational journey. Kindness is the gateway to spiritual best practices. Kindness is a doorway. Kindness is respect, sorry, is wisdom that allows us to have respect for all people, all places, and all things. The word respect, I love, you know me, I kind of like etymology, right? Which is the science of the meaning of words. We use the word respect all the time, and and we we can honestly say pretty quickly that it means I view Len kind of shoulder to shoulder, equal eye to eye, right? Now the etymology of the word respect means to re, spectacle something, right? To re-see something, to re-look at something, to take a second gaze. But certainty doesn't allow for respect. Certainty does not create the comma space so that we can actually have room to take a second look. And if we get kindness wrong, we're not going to read, you know, it's funny, all my Bibles are digital format now. We're not going to be able to read our Bible with any element of compassion. Because it's all about our certainty. Isn't that fascinating? Do you find that happening in your own mind sometimes? I know I do. I'm paid to be certain. And I'm confessing to you now, I am more uncertain about almost everything than I've ever been in my whole life. Except this. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Right? 
So, first spiritual best practice that sets the stage for us to really engage with our other bigger known is kindness. talking to my mom and dad this week my poor father can't see he's totally blind in one eye they have to drive three hours to go see a doctor appointment that's a whole other conversation Uh, my mom's got the good eyes oh my gosh (laughs) my mom's the capable driver oh my gosh (laughs) anyway they get to the doctor's appointment three hours later And my dad decides he's going to get out of the car like he's done for the last 80 years, right? And before my mom can get out of her side of the car and walk around, my dad and his good eye is 80%, you can't see. My dad trips on a curb and falls. He's fine this time. But two people came running, a man and a woman came running to help my dad. No big deal. Where is it? You know? They, they just were kind. It was just kindness. They took a second look. They weren't certain that my 80-year-old father was going to hurt him. They didn't thin slice my dad and make a judgment. They were nice. They were kind. And they helped. So who can you be kind to this week? You know? Who can you be kind to? Who can you take a second look at? Because it is God's kindness, that's the comma, that leads to repentance, and it's, it's the antithesis to certainty. All right. Second, uh, second spiritual best practice that gets us into the biggies. Now, this one's interesting. I came across a phrase this week, and the phrase went like this. Live your life at three miles an hour. Just out of curiosity, yell it out. How fast do you feel like you're living your life right now? What? 160. The speed limit, nice. I'm going to follow you home and see how long you go the speed limit. I think you just lied to your pastor. Not intentionally, of course. Officer, it was an accident. I, going downhill, didn't know. How fast are you going? More than three miles an hour? Raise your hand if you're living your life more than three miles an hour. Are you exhausted or what? Don Rose's hand, he's retired now, and he's, he's still going that fast. Don, you know, we're praying for the kids. Don's thinking, I don't have to go back to school today. Yeah. So, but this phrase, live your life at three miles an hour, it's kind of, it's, it's intriguing, isn't it? It's a prelude to Sabbath. If we can't live our life at three miles an hour, we're definitely not going to be able to stop. So, you know, I got a lot of things I could say here. Maybe I'm going to keep it simple today. That's kind of the point. Uh, The poet, be still and know that I am God, 
Psalm 46.10. Can we go to that one? There it is. So that I can be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Be still. Live your life at three miles an hour. You will know that God is God. You see, slowing our life down creates the space for us to explore the common, a world of certainties and a world of noise. And it really, truly is the way of life for a follower of Jesus Christ because God's not a binary God of only right or only wrong, only male, only female, only Democrat, only Republican, only Christian, only pagan. Are you with me or are you against me? God is a being of three. It allows for more than certainty of either or. There's always room for a third way. That's why God invites curiosity and mystery and incongruence to congruence to coherence. God invites wonder and bewilderment and curiosity and questions with all people and all things. And philosophers knew this. Hegel knew this. Thesis, antithesis leads to synthesis. Richard Rohr knows this. He talks about order, disorder, new order. Walter Brueggemann, a great theologian, understands this. He talks about orientation, disorientation, a new orientation. The Trinity knows this. There's the Creator God, the Son, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. A third way. There's always a third way. And it blasts out of the water our certainties if we live into the comma. Thank you. The gospel even knows it. There's the life, the death, the resurrection. There's Monday, Thursday. There's Good Friday. There's Easter Sunday. The list goes on and on and on. Yet the only way to access is through kindness. Respecting. Respecting. And living your life a little bit slower, man. And woman. Sorry, I'm equal opportunity. All right, third one. You ready for it? Uh, Contemplation. Contemplation. Contemplation takes time to engage (laughs) with kindness and living your life slower. See, when we're kind and we live our life slower, there's room and space to contemplate. Sleuths of slant. I just had fun writing that. Scripture says, check it out, Philippians 4.8, think on whatever's noble, whatever's pure, lovely, right, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Contemplation. Contemplation. In religion means to realign. Literally, to realign. It's actually where the word yoga comes from. It means the connectedness of all things. Contemplation wakes patiently for the gaps to be filled in. It doesn't insist on quick closure, certainty, easy answers, certainty, or the need to be right. Oh, I'm certain, okay. Contemplation leads to transformation. If there's no contemplation, there will be no transformation. And friends, we're called to follow Jesus the Christ. 
We're called to be followers of Jesus Christ. Here's something interesting. Jesus never asks us to worship him. Seriously. But he asks us all over the place, over 80 times, follow me. Follow me. Follow me in the comma. Follow me in the kindness. Follow me in the slow pace of life. Follow me in the contemplation. That's the, these are the doorway virtues, the doorway spiritual disciplines, so that we read the scriptures well. We pray with authenticity and humility, not certainty. And we worship the God that truly is, that's beyond our wildest dreams, and where there's more mystery and undefinable aspects of God than those things with which we can define. Blows me away. It's part of the great journey. And it truly, to me, is why we are all here. I think this is a destiny moment for us as a church, for us as a neighborhood, and even for us as a nation. A destiny moment is an experience that when looked back upon will confirm that, yes, I still believe it, God had his hand on us for something special. My friends, God is up to something good in the world. God is up to something good in our church, and God is up to something good in our own unique lives. It begins with a little less certainty to explore the comma by being kind, by slowing down life, and by contemplation. It is the move from order to disorder to new order. I love movies, you know this, right? Anybody ever seen the movie? Uh, and if you haven't, my recollection is it's a great movie. Um, but I could see a movie tonight and forget about it in three days. Uh, and that's just, for whatever reason, that's the way I roll. There's a movie, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Remember that one? Isn't that, isn't that a fun movie? Fun movie. Great line in the movie. I'm going to end with this. Hang on. You know, hang on. Hang in there. Here's what it says. Everything will be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. That's living a life of faith, not certainty. That's living a life that explores the comma. Not being only about being right. Because after all, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be in love? Yeah, a lot of people run around like they got to be right, though. I, I submit humbly before you being in love and working through that is where we all want to be anyway. Sometimes we just wrongly right our way to it. Let's pray.
I know I've been humbled this week. Kindness. Slowing down. Detectives of divinity, sluice of in slant, contemplation. Help us to unlearn some things that we've learned in order to, to newly learn the things that we have forgotten. Which is the power of the kindness of God. Amen. You guys want to sing us out of here? Count every blessing. Do it. Yes. Please stand with us, folks, as we uh, 